Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bulletproof Marketer. I'm your host, Christopher Tompkins, bringing you what? No BS marketing advice for marketers by marketers. That means I'm a marketer, right? Okay, yeah, that's honest. That's obvious. Anyway, great show for you today. We have some really great um, trends that we want to go through in the BPM Trend Spotter segment coming up just a, just a few seconds. We have a fantastic interview as well with Heather Osgood of True Native Media. She's gonna be talking about podcast advertising. So, you know, lots of new things that are happening in the world of promotion. Definitely podcast advertising is, is a channel that we should be paying attention to. And Heather's gonna tell us why. Then we have BPM versus Stockholm Syndrome, one of my favorite segments where we talk about um, how marketers sometimes feel totally crazy and in their own heads about things, but you don't need to feel that way because we all feel that way. So I'm gonna, I have some really interesting stories to cover in that segment, as well as our silver bullet segment where I'm going to share something that you should pay attention to that really is going to help enhance your marketing just immediately. So I am so glad that you're here with me today. Um, if this is your first time, welcome, glad to meet you, shake your hand. Um, we come live once a week with our show. Uh, it's pretty much packed to the hilt with the truth about marketing rather than a lot of things that you have to read between the lines. I will do all of the in-between-the-line in reading for you and give you my perspective on everything that's happening in our ever-changing industry. So if you'd like to, um, this is also, there's a companion email um, a newsletter that goes with the Bulletproof Marketer. You can sign up for that absolutely free through my website, which is go salesandmarketing.com. That's the Go Agency's website. That's gosalesandmarketing.com. Go there. There'll be a pop-up. Sign up. Boom. There you go. And we send that out Monday through Friday, every single afternoon. And it gives you just your little boilerplate of all the things that I think that you should probably take, put your eyes on based on what I'm seeing in the industry. So um, let's jump in. This has been um, a very Interesting time, obviously, you know, when you're dealing with January as a marketer, there's so many different things that are changing around you. And also everyone's getting their first, uh, you know, new year, new you campaigns out in the first few weeks of the month. And uh, so there's, it's a lot, it's a moment of change. Also, I find that um, as a marketer, you probably see this yourself. Um, if you are dealing with clients or suppliers or partners or whatever, in terms of delivering your service, everyone is totally quiet for I would say it's almost like everybody has that Thanksgiving turkey um, in November in the U.S. And then it's kind of like this tryptophan slumber that goes on throughout all of December and the first week of January. And generally around the second week of January, everyone wakes up like they're shot out of a cannon and your schedule is absolutely chock-a-block with different appointments of people that you have to meet that you haven't talked to in a while. Um, I like this uh, kind of back to business, back to normal type mentality, because it's also very, very full immersion for a marketer, because you get to talk to everybody that you haven't talked to in a while. So it's a really great way to kind of, you know, I don't look at it as a pain in the ass. I look at it as something that I look forward to, because I miss talking to my clients. I miss talking to the people that I collaborate with during that holiday period. But it's, it, but it's great, too, because you get to enjoy the holiday um, rather than having to, you know, feel like you have to, you're under the gun, so to speak, to continually work on a lot of new projects. It seems like it's a little bit quieter, so you can enjoy time with your family. I mean, that's the truth for some marketers, not all. Um, some of us are extremely busy all the time, but having that little bit of quiet time in terms of meetings is always nice to, you know, enjoy the holidays with your family and your friends. Um, so I've been um, a single dog father this week. So this has been something that is the first time that I've done this. My husband's out of town. So it's been one of those things where I've been watching Dear Dear Olive and she had a little bit of a sick tummy, which is interesting because I've never had to deal with um, a sick dog in my life because I, I don't know, I've, I might've mentioned this on one of the previous episodes that I um, have really, really crazy animal allergies from the whole time that I was young. And, you know, I, one of our um, 
ex-employees who's phenomenal and uh, she got a golden doodle and I absolutely love that dog. It's just beautiful. looks so happy, just such a mood enhancer. So had to get one, but I wanted to go, go through the right checks to make sure that it was a good, um, good decision. And what better time to do that than COVID. Now I am not going to be lumped in with, Oh, look, look at you. You were bored and you got a dog during COVID. COVID actually allowed me to have some time to have a little bit of downtime to focus on myself and things that I was interested in. So that was when um, I did the due diligence and, and found the dog. So anyway, Olive is fantastic. She's approaching two. She's a golden deal. She's freaking gorgeous. She's currently sleeping um, and keeping my feet warm at the moment because Florida is an absolutely frigid 65 degrees right now. I mean, you literally go outside and there's people in puffer jackets and like dressed up like they're going to the Alps. I mean, good old Florida, right? But anyway, um, Olive, Olive was a little bit ill this week. So uh, it was the first time I ever had to be the, um, the nursemaid to um, anybody that was really sick for a long time. So it was really, it was really nice. And maybe it gave me a moment of reflection almost in terms of kind of what's important and and uh, I try to take those, those, those experiences, whether how unrelated they are to business and, and see how, what, what I can learn from those experiences. And it was really interesting that I could really hyper-focus on something while I had all of these other moving pieces around. Whereas sometimes I think about, gosh, I just don't have enough time to do everything. You do. It's just making those right choices. Um, but I digress on the personal story. I just thought it was really interesting because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to really push forward the Bulletproof Marketer because there is so much garbage out there that you feel that you're bombarded with all of these things that you need to pay attention to as the most important, whereas they're not. <laughs> they're not all important. They're mostly fuzz. They're mostly crap. I mean, how many digital trends have you said like, oh, this is going to be coming up in two months and it never happens. So this is that's why I kind of came up with this this concept because I thought it would be good for you to see what's actually going to be happening um, so that you can have everything in your life that you want in your life in terms of being a marketer and having a balanced uh, existence. So with that said, um, we are having a really fantastic start to the year at the Go Agency. Um, everything is falling into place. We have some really exciting new clients that we're working on. So for me, the new year is not necessarily a time when I do restarts or I do new affirmations or I do um, New Year's resolutions. I'm, I feel that we are a constantly evolving um, agency as well as I'm constantly evolving as a um, founder and also as a marketer. So it's kind of just looking at um, just the new things that are coming up and, and getting excited. And some of the new things I'm gonna share with you today I'm pretty excited about. Um, so let's let's kind of jump into the BPM trend spotter. So first things first. This is okay. So this was the, this was this came out. Um, this was by social media today, and the headline was Instagram is the platform of focus for marketers in 2022, according to new research. Okay. So immediately when I read this, I was thinking, okay, well. This is a little bit different of a narrative because last time that we talked, we talked about how Instagram was one of the most downloaded apps um, at the fourth quarter of 2021. And that is in part due because of regulations and blockages of TikTok in certain countries that do have major markets in terms of numbers. So, um, but TikTok is not a brand that is not a, a, a platform or an app that really does fit all brands because all brands don't know how to fit into TikTok. That makes sense, right? Every brand can fit into TikTok, but it's just finding the way to get there. Whereas Instagram now it's been around long enough, the brands can kind of understand exactly how to jump in there. So um, there was a poll that um, Social Media Today did on LinkedIn and to see what platform marketers um, would be looking to tap into more throughout the year. And one of the biggest ones was LinkedIn, um, which got 43% of the vote. But um, when it comes to be like, which four, what, what platform will your business be putting more focus on in 2022? Um, that was Instagram by more than almost nearly more than half of the people that were polled. So what do I think about that? Well, marketers, 
If you are looking for low-hanging fruit in terms of uh, a platform that you can utilize, Facebook, Instagram, the, these are these are ones that are great, right? Um, because you have lots of different examples of how you can utilize that based off of the competition that you can see. Uh, I always like to see what the competition is doing, not because I'm lazy and I want to just steal whatever they're doing, but I like to see what's happening out there. And with Instagram, it's it's fairly easy to do that. Um, because Instagram's probably more utilized than Facebook for many brands. I mean, I've seen that, you know, I've looked at, um, if I'm looking at one of the things as an agency owner, I talk to many different people that are prospects that are interested in working or interested in learning more about how digital marketing can be applied to their company successfully. And one of the things that I've noticed is that Facebook has been one of the biggest afterthoughts for a lot of companies lately. The focus has been more LinkedIn, Instagram, some Twitter, um, always TikTok, always TikTok's on the horizon, but never the initial ask. So I find that telling. I find that the businesses are more focused on Instagram. I do feel like they're in, they're interested in LinkedIn as well. And then I would say like phase two is obviously TikTok. Facebook's always there, but I think a lot of brands have the connotation that Facebook does not deliver results anymore because of the changes that have been made. I disagree with that. Um, I think that you have to be pretty savvy with Mark, uh, with your advertising approach in order to be successful on Facebook. Um, but there's lots of opportunities there if you do have the time to dive in or the budget to do that. If you're looking for free promotion just by doing organic work on site, um, you know, Instagram and LinkedIn do deliver as well as Twitter and TikTok. So Facebook is a little bit out in, out in the cold on that one. Um, you do need some money to kind of make Facebook sing to the extent that you want it to. But do I feel that marketers are going to look at Instagram and say like, this is the number one focus that I'm going to have in this year? God, I hope not. Um, but if it is the case, great, because the more you get well-versed in Instagram, the better you will be once, well, the more the more uh, of an idea you'll have as to how to utilize TikTok when it gets to be time. Now, is TikTok gonna be the next big thing? Um, it's been the next big thing already. Um, so it's going to be how that evolves and how platforms do evolve. So for example, if you're looking at TikTok and I'm doing an aside here, just because I think this would be interesting for you, think about Reels. Reels are just TikTok on Instagram. Are they, is it the same algorithm? Is it the same way that they serve it up? Is it the same everything? No, it's not. It's Instagram's version of that. But if you were on Instagram and you're going to be doing more of a focus, figure out how to utilize those reels because that reel strategy is the one that you can kind of bridge to your TikTok strategy. Okay, so just throwing that out there. But I thought that was interesting um, in terms of Instagram being the one that many marketers were gonna focus on. Um, another one, Google is shutting down YouTube originals. Okay, literally uh, uh, raise your hand if you've heard of YouTube originals, number one. Um, YouTube originals was something that was kind of thrown out a little bit ago as the next big thing. But, um, you know, just like Netflix and Hulu and all of these different platforms are coming up with their own specific show, Paramount Plus, there's so many different new apps out there. Um, YouTube was trying to do that as well. But unfortunately, YouTube already thrives on original content. So I don't understand why we want to do something that's produced. And then the big, the big headline there was going to be Will Smith was going to do, um, uh, oh, it was the show about his weight loss because he gained weight over COVID. Oh, poor Will. I mean, let's get a show about that. Oh my God, someone gained weight during COVID? Oh my God, not the Fresh Prince. I mean, who the hell cares? Everyone gained weight over COVID. So, but anyway, that was like the big thing. Feel bad for Will. Will was crying because he gained weight. I mean, how relatable. <sighs> anyway, don't get, don't get me started on Will Smith. But the, um, but obviously YouTube, it, this concept did not land. So um, I'm sorry to tell you that Google's shutting down YouTube originals. Um, I'm sure you're all going to be, you're, you're just gonna be so upset about that. So there's not gonna be any second season to the Will Smith crying about gaining weight story. 
And by the way, he gained like 10 pounds or something, like something annoying. Anyway, so another story I have for you is, oh, Meta. Meta is the big storyline, right? And I think Meta overall is super freaking interesting um, because it's going to challenge the way that you think as a marketer. Is it going to make sense? Is it going to be exactly how it is, um, how they're telling, they're laying the storyline? No, it is not. But it's so damn interesting. Because as a marketer, what we should be doing if we are going, like kind of looking towards the future, right? Looking towards the future, how are we going to engage our audiences more? Treat them like freaking human beings. How about that? Being authentic, tell them the truth and don't talk to them like you're a used car salesman or you're an ambulance chasing lawyer. You wanna be talking to them like you talk to other members of your community. It's like when I'm having a conversation with somebody that we're trying to get their LinkedIn, when we're doing LinkedIn outreach for people at the Go Agency, um, some of our clients will be like, well, I don't understand why we're saying how, why we're, we're, why we're talking in this tone to individuals that we're trying to connect with on LinkedIn. And I, I always say, well, if you went into a, uh, an, a networking meeting, do you, are you the one that's shoving the cards in people's faces and going, Hey, my name is Christopher Thomas. I'm with the Go Agency. You want a digital marketing campaign? Are you that person? Because if you're that person, this isn't going to work for you very well, because those people tend to be kind of pushed to the side. 90% of the time, sometimes that pushiness does work. But anyway, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I digress. I'm just saying that with the metaverse, we're going to be able to communicate with people and like next level type mentality. So I find it very interesting. So one, but one thing I freaking don't like, and I don't like this now, I could, I'm, I, I have the opportunity of changing my mind at any time on things that I get really vehement about. But Meta's developing an ethical framework. As soon as I see ethical framework, I know something shitty is kind of lurking, right? Um, for the use of virtual influencers. Okay, have we seen the rise of virtual influencers? Yes, these are basically um, digital avatars, like so fully, fully digital characters um, that have evolved into genuine social media influencers. So now sites feel like they have the obligation to um, establish clear markers as to what's real and what's not so that the creations can be used in um, businesses apps. So these are fake people. Um, these are avatars. So these are, and avatars is not just <laughs> anymore, just a little picture of, uh, of you that's in your profile. Avatar is like Avatar the movie. Um, we're talking about real moving, breathing, um, real-esque looking um, things. If you Google virtual influencers and you look at the Google image results, sometimes they look pretty damn authentic. So if you're looking pretty quickly, it could be, there was one that's very famous that I've seen recently. That's been, not famous, it's been used a lot in the press. It's um, a couple shopping. They're probably like in their early 20s, early to mid 20s. Um, and they have shopping bags coming out of a store. And basically you could put any brand on any of those packages and put the store and any, and it looks like actual people walking out. It's overly posed, overly done. But this is also something that I saw. Um, we had a segment on Hype Busters, the show that I have. I never have another podcast with my friend April from uh, April Margulies from Trust Relations. It's a national PR company. And uh, we were talking about this as well. And it was something where influencers were posing with white outfits so that the outfits can be projected onto the influencer. So the influencer would just have things projected. Much like if you get things on Wish or Amazon, sometimes they'll have like the same person. It'll be like a guy with shorts and then the shorts will just be a different style or a different color. But you could tell it's pretty much the same thing. So that's something else that's happening. So what does that tell us about where things are going to go? Well, it tells us that there's lots of opportunity for creating influencers when you cannot figure out how to get influencers in a way. So there is going to be in the metaverse, it's going to give you the opportunity of creating your own influencer type person. But what does that mean for the authenticity of it? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, because I think uh, ideas are going to change about how this all rolls out and influencers in general. 
I'm already changing my mind as to how I think about influencers. I feel that um, the, the wave is kind of crashing on that um, a little bit because it's a little too saturated or oversaturated. So, um, and also I think that people's ROI on influencers is kind of dropping off a little bit as they all want to be treated as um, $10,000 a post influencers when they don't deserve that amount of money. So these virtuals, I mean, this is a, this is kind of the new thing that's that's coming up um, that you should pay attention to. Um, just keep it in your atmosphere because, <clears throat> excuse me, if it is something that does come up and it is available for you to utilize, I would definitely play around with it. Um, another thing, Tumblr. When's the last time that we heard about Tumblr? Let me take a drink of this tea. Hmm. Tumblr, is it back on the road to relevance? So we haven't heard about Tumblr for a while, right? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been uh, pretty quiet. And why? Because Tumblr was pretty much a lot of porn. Um, and, it, and when regulations kind of swept through and cleaned out the porn, there's kind of nothing left of it. So it pretty much started to fall apart. Well, what we're seeing now is that <clears throat> the Zoomers, I, I'm just going to find an opportunity to say Zoomer every single episode if I can, um, which is Generation Z. Gen Z. Oh, I, I mean, I'm so glad we're on the last letter of the alphabet. Um, it's, it's funny. I wonder what's going to happen next. It's going to be like hurricanes. Like once we go through the whole alphabet, we have to go through the Greek alphabet next. But um, anyway, so with Generation Z, I'm, they are making up 61% of Tumblr's new users. So Tumblr is a microblogging platform, um, pretty much really, really enables you to um, share your personal information, your personal style, not your personal information, but kind of like what your interests are in um, different, just like a little, uh, just anything that you find interesting. So I really, um, I really used to enjoy going through Tumblr until it kind of got oversaturated with kind of, it was all, I don't know, just not the type of stuff that I wanted to look through. Um, but what's interesting about Tumblr to Generation Z is what I think is the story. I don't necessarily think that Tumblr is like, oh my God, guys, we have to listen to Tumblr. We have to start using Tumblr. This is why why Generation Z is a, is a, it's appealing to them. So this is something I think that you should be understanding in terms of how to appeal to this audience rather than Tumblr's relevance in your marketing campaign. A, there's a chrono, Tumblr has a chronological feed that isn't driven by attention maximizing algorithm. So there's no algorithm really on Tumblr. It just shows you what it shows you. That's appealing to Gen Z because Gen Z is now understanding that they're getting served things because of algorithms, not because they just, they just went, oh, wow, that's cool. Wow, I didn't know that was gonna come up. And wow, it, it's, it, it, they know something's up. So they're more clever when it comes to how things are working. There's a, notable, a noticeable absence of influencers and brands. So these are just, it's just information. It doesn't seem like it's trying to get you to buy something, trying to get you to believe in something. Someone's having a platform that is trying to, that are trying to share these big ideas. It's not necessarily that right now. And that's appealing because it's not about who's popular. It's not about someone that's trying to steal airtime, so to speak, like brands do. It's just a bunch of people in a community that are sharing. Now that's, that's something that I really want you to listen to. That's a really big key of what's happening next. It's people in a community sharing, listening, working with one another. It's not trying to say things that people are going to listen to. It's having conversations. So Tumblr is is appealing in that way to this, this audience who is yearning for that authenticity and that real conversation. Also, there's a, it's a welcome distraction from the real world due to its undated feed and pseudonymous accounts. Meaning 
it doesn't see it's a break from reality right it's not it's not about news it's not about the news cycle it's not dated around that it's not going on to your facebook feed and it's fourth of july and seeing fourteen thousand fourth of july posts it's not that it's something different and i really do feel that that is something that's really interesting about generation z they don't want ads they don't want algorithms they don't want people holding products they want real people so I've said this before when we're talking about the metaverse, this is kind of the metaverse is supposedly giving us another way of really handling this. And the reason why the metaverse is relevant is because these Zoomers are going to be <clears throat> the ones that are going to be power users. And guess what? These are going to be the next big um, generation of buyers and audience members and clients and consumers. So it's really important for us to not dig our feet in and say that we've never dealt with this type of communication with our audience. We need to think about how we can elevate our game. So I don't wanna beat this to death, but that's something I just really thought was important to share. <clears throat> okay, another one, um, another metaverse piece from Marketing Dive, which I really liked. And their headline was, as events again go virtual, marketing takeaways from a timely metaverse activation. So this has a lot of information from um, publicists, which I really love. I really love them. Um, but they were saying that um, one of the main things that you should be considering as these events go virtual is a metaverse playbook. And that's pretty much finding out how you can use the virtual platform to really activate what your in-person would be. So the metaverse now is as things go virtual, um, obviously they're going virtual now because of pandemic related um, spreads and flare ups, et cetera, ad nauseum. But as the quote unquote virtual events and metaverse combine, there's gonna be an amalgam that is not going to go away. And if the audience is now looking for well, if I don't have to travel and I don't have to go and to see all these different people, I can cover more ground, I can get, I can have more conversations and I can have more interaction for a fraction of the expenditure while I can still work on my projects as, as normal without having disruption in my work schedule. Yeah, that's kind of going to grow if it's successful, right? I'm not saying that it's, it's there yet. But if the metaverse really jumps in and it really, it really takes, it really happens, um, you need to be considering that if you do a lot of events. And that's why I'm bringing, I'm, I'm just flagging this for you. If you do a lot of events, you need to start thinking about how these virtual events are going to be executed and how you can do your full activation that you would do in person through the virtual platform. And if you're not able to do that, finding out a way that you can do that so that your audience still has that full experience. So I have the answer on what that is. I don't because everybody is unique in terms of what they're expecting. A pet brand going to Super Zoo is going to be much different than an electronic brand that's going to CES. So you have to kind of think about what is best for you. But I'm just saying, just flagging the story for you, having the metaverse playbook might be something that might be useful for you to consider. Now, another thing that we have is, um, I find this, she's annoying, um, but something that was just was released by Google is that the G Suite legacy free edition is going to be no longer available from May 1st, 2022. Meaning that anyone of you that's using free G Suite, um, you're using, Google Docs, using all of the, um, any file sharing, anything like that. If you are not using the sponsored version, meaning the one that you have to pay for, right? That is uh, going to be going away. So if you are currently utilizing that for your business, your side hustle, whatever, understand that you might have to make some changes in the coming months. I say may, because you never know what's going to happen with these companies. But if that's the case, just wanted to just, I saw this come across my desk and I was like, ah, I want to tell you guys this. 
because if you are utilizing this, you're going to have to make a change and they might restrict access until you pay. So if you don't want any hiccups, just follow this story so we can all be on the same page and protected. Okay, that is the BPM trend spotting. So what are you taking away from this? I hope you're taking away that the metaverse is something that is going is happening and it's going to help you engage with audiences that you don't have access to right now, as well as audiences that you're dealing with right now that are going to have to get hip to the jive, so to speak. But there are a lot of new opportunities that are arising. Keep your ears to the rail, listen to things. And I'm going to continually give you some of my insights that hopefully can spur some ideas. So Another idea that we have is the privacy. Oh my God, privacy, um, remarketing, retargeting. All of this stuff is going down the tubes with the privacy um, restrictions that are happening on Apple and Google and Facebook, et cetera. So a lot of people have been asking for new ways to reach the target audience. What are you supposed to do? I was just interviewed for um, another podcast where it was kind of like, hey, with all of this stuff, what are, what, are, what are we supposed to invest in? So a lot of people are looking for new venues to um, promote their businesses. And a fantastic one is podcast advertising. So after the break, I brought in one of my favorite podcast advertising specialists, Heather Osgood. Um, she is from True Native Media, truenativemedia.com. And she's going to tell us all about how you can get started on podcast advertising and the benefits it has to your business. So we'll be talking to Heather right after the break here on The Bulletproof Marketer. Hey parents, are you looking to make it easy to promote your child's development? Well, I want to introduce my go-to, which is Motor Planet. Motor Planet is a powerful developmental program designed to enhance your child's skills. Their software-based program offers fun, motivating activities designed to challenge your child's abilities. So we're talking fine motor skills, visual motor and perceptional skills, physical strengthening, overall conditioning, enhanced sensory processing. At Motor Planet, they strive to help your children grow. If you'd like to learn more on how this fantastic app works, there is a one-week free trial, and that is courtesy of Motor Planet. So if you want to grab that on your Android or Apple device, visit them online today. It's motorplanet.com. That's M-O-T-O-R-P-L-A-N-I-T.com. Okay, and we are back. Um, super excited, as I told you earlier, um, my friend Heather Osgood is going to be joining us, and she is joining us. Um, she is with True Native Media, and we're going to be talking about the fabulous medium of podcast advertising. Heather, welcome to the Bulletproof Marketer. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, um, before we kind of go into just kind of diving into podcast advertising, can you um, let everybody know just a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, for sure. So um, actually started my career in advertising. So I did radio and newspaper ad sales for many years and then started a trade show production company oh, okay. um, that I had for about 10 years. And when I sold that for the first time in my adult life, I was like, hey, I don't have like a fully booked schedule every day. And so I started listening to podcasts. And as I was listening to podcasts, I was like, where are all the ads? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I realized that really there were not that many people out there that were actually trying to you know, get ads into podcasts. And so that's kind of um, where my journey began in, into podcasting, but certainly had an advertising background. No, it's really, it's really interesting, um, you know, because uh, I, I was saying before we jumped on, um, just how everybody right now with how the universe is changing for advertising digitally in terms of the privacy concerns and the privacy changes that um, are algorithmically happening across the board, um, people are kind of starting to get a little bit concerned, whether it be B2B or B2C, kind of how they can get their message out of there. Um, so for businesses looking for new advertising opportunities this year with this in mind, um, why do you think that in your, obviously I know that you're going to be for this, but why do you feel that podcast ads are, are, are something that they should, they should consider? 
Yeah, I think the most important piece of podcast advertising is that it really is influencer marketing. And I think that that's something that gets overlooked. Yeah. So if you've been someone that's been in the social media space, or if you've already been doing influencer marketing, if you really just think about podcasters as audio influencers, I really think that that is a good way of approaching it. Um, currently, the bulk of the ads done in the space are host read endorsement ads. So there are those ads where the, the host is going to try your product or service. They're going to give an organic, authentic recommendation for your product. And ultimately, you know, we, we know as you know, in the podcast industry and just in the marketing industry in general, that anytime you can get an endorsement, that that's really powerful. And, and so I think that that's really one of the most important pieces of podcast advertising. And I think it's something that I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a very overlooked rationale. I mean, it is influencer marketing. I mean, it's, it's an implicit endorsement um, from the person that obviously that is the expert that someone's tuning into. Now, um, one of the things that I've always seen, um, because I have talked to clients before or potential clients about podcast opportunities in terms of advertising and setting budget is always something that is challenging for them to understand because they they don't know exactly what sort of metrics that they should be looking for. So, you know, what advice do you have for people that are kind of looking into using um, podcast advertising in terms of what metrics or what budget they should be looking at? Yeah, for sure. So with podcast advertising, a couple things to consider are the size of the shows out there. So if you're a podcast listener, you probably listen to some of the bigger shows. So maybe you listen to Dak Shepard or Joe Rogan, or maybe you listen to Crime Junkie or, you know, some of the bigger shows. Mm -hmm. um, there obviously are lots of them. And so often I think that when advertisers come into this space, maybe they have a conception in their mind of the types of shows that they want to advertise on. And my recommendation is to, if you're brand new to the space, instead of going to the very top, right. And to say like, Hey, I want to invest in this huge campaign, start in the medium, you know, the mid to small range podcasts, because what you will be able to do is learn a lot about the industry and learn about what is going to work and what isn't going to work when you're playing with smaller numbers. Now, it really depends a lot on how you want to enter the space. So if you're looking for an agency to help you, um, certainly there are a handful of, in particular, I would say direct response agencies that would be happy to work with you that have a ton of information. Usually those those um, agencies are, you're going to be looking at about $100,000 to start, you know, a campaign. Um, however, if you want to go it on your own, um, you can work directly with a network or with a company like mine, True Native Media. And then really we look at budgets more around um, the, the five to $10,000 to get started. So it really does depend on where you're wanting to enter the market. Um, you can, of course, go directly to a podcast as well and say, Hey, I really like your show. Could I advertise a lot of times on their websites? They'll have information about how you can place ads on their show. And then in those cases, of course, you can place even a smaller budget, right? Because you're just working individually. But in my opinion, if you're looking at a new channel, ultimately your goal is to be able to scale that channel. And if you're looking to get results, if you just try podcast advertising are on one or maybe even two podcasts, that probably isn't going to give you enough information and enough kind of learnings to really say like, oh, this worked really well, but that didn't. Um, and then, you know, to try it out again. Um, and when we look at kind of those metrics, it really does depend a ton on what your goals are. And if you are specifically looking at direct response, how are you going to track that direct response? And so certainly we could, we can cover that more. Yeah. And that's really important too. I, I mean, it's, it's, I, I do feel that when people look at new mediums, they forget all of the things that um, we know to be true. So if we've been doing media, if we've been doing um, advertising on traditional radio or AM radio, I mean, that's the, that's, that's been around forever. Um, and you know, um, you want to you want to see what the listenership is. You want to see what kind of engagement that you can get, and all of those numbers are available. But as soon as we go into a new medium, it's kind of just like, well, um, let's just see. Let's just throw some money at this and see what we can get. And um, and I feel that a lot of people don't necessarily look at it in terms of a long term. They look at it as a test. 
if someone mm -hmm. were to kind of get in get involved and obviously like you said look to those the small to mid-range shows and kind of start advertising what should the campaign length be in terms of that sample do you think mm -hmm. I usually recommend about a 90 day, so three month period. Um, and you should definitely look to test, right? So I don't, I don't necessarily discourage uh, advertisers from testing out um, the medium. And I do see your point that you, you have to decide if you're going to invest in the space. Um, mm -hmm. I, I always say like, look around the space, see who's advertising, see who's having success. And if those brands are having success and spending millions of dollars, you know, you can find success too. But in terms of setting up an initial buy, having a three month period. And so typically I would say about kind of between three and six ads per podcast is a really good way because you should be able to see in that period of time, if the podcast is going to produce results or not. Now, if if I if I'm if I'm saying okay, excellent, this sounds fantastic. Um, I want to look for those small to mid range shows and maybe get started. Where I mean, obviously, someone can get in touch with you directly and you can kind of help them navigate that whole way. Um, but what are the first steps? Like, how do how can you identify those shows? Is there a way that people can go out and search um, what shows are in that mid to small range? What's the what 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 is a way that people can identify? Um, what is going to be best for them. Sure. Yeah. Discoverability can be a bit of a challenge in the podcast space and in the industry, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, there's, you know, poor discoverability. How are people finding these shows? Sure. Um, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. So sometimes it can be hard to know where to start. Mm -hmm. um, what I always recommend is that you really think about your demographic, right? So always start with who exactly purchases your product and then who you're gonna be reaching in these podcasts. So that's really important. Now, when we're looking at content, um, we have a lot of direct to consumer brands that advertise in this space. And of course, you know, this is the beginning of the year. And so we've got a lot of, you know, health and supplement companies who are really, you know, wanting to advertise and, and trying to jump into the space more actively. And a lot of times when we work with advertisers, they'll say things like, well, I'm a vitamin company, so I want to advertise on a health show. And I'm not discouraging you from advertising on a health show. Of course, that's going to be a good fit. But what you have to think about is really those people listening to that podcast, they probably already take vitamins, right? Like right. they're probably not someone who is actually really going to add maybe um, because maybe they're already purchasing that product. So right. if you can look around to other kind of genres or types of shows that reach your product, or I'm sorry, reach your audience really well, um, but maybe aren't as matchy matchy, those can be good places to look as well. So, mm. um, you know, think about your target target audience and then think about the types of podcasts that you want to advertise on. And then you could do a couple of things to find podcasts. So you could certainly go on to iTunes. You know, I, iTunes does have their, their charts where they rank the shows and you could see, gosh, what podcasts are ranking and then try to approach them directly. Um, you can also look for a podcast representation firm. So True Native Media, my company is one of those, and there's a handful of other companies um, like ours out there. And then there are also marketplaces. So um, a marketplace really is just a platform where you can go on and all of the podcasts are listed there. And you could say, oh, hey, this podcast looks interesting. You know, maybe I would be interested in that show, or maybe I would be interested in this podcast. So um, I would I would recommend that if you're starting out trying to find a representation firm or going to a marketplace, those are probably the best two ways because you're not having to individually approach a whole bunch of different shows. Yeah, which is a, which is a, which is the pain. I, I mean, and it, it does is. take a lot of legwork. And I think another thing that you said earlier that I just want to highlight is that it is influencer marketing. And if you've ever tried to execute an influencer marketing initiative, it is like wrangling cats sometimes um and it can be a little bit of the wild wild west in a way so having someone that can can kind of vouch for you and lead you through is is very powerful now one question i have is like what what about the other side of the coin what about actual people that have podcasts when when is it time for them to think like i should try to monetize this through advertising 
Yeah, that is such a good question. And I always say that you you do have to look at what the purpose of your podcast is, right? Are you doing it for marketing reasons? Are you doing it for education reasons? Are you trying to make money? And is advertising the best path for you to go down? I think because podcasts are a media, we automatically just think like, oh, you know, media equals ads. And as soon as I start my podcast, I'm going to be able to get ads and make lots of money. And the reality is, is that a lot of podcasts out there have very small audiences. So you want to make sure that your audience is sizable enough that the advertiser is really going to benefit from it. And I would say from both sides of the coin, whether you're a podcaster or a marketer, the size of the podcast is really, really important. And you really need to make sure that you're aware of what that audience looks like um, in terms of your actual reach, because, you know, there's lots of podcasts out there where they're getting a hundred downloads and there's nothing wrong with that. But as a marketer, how much success are you going to really see from a show that's getting a hundred downloads? And on the flip side, if you're trying to sell ads on a podcast that has a hundred downloads, does it really make sense, right? For that advertiser to buy with you. So I usually say that once your show has gotten about a thousand downloads per episode in a 30 day period, that that's a good time to start investigating advertising. And my recommendation is typically to start with affiliate marketing. So there are certainly sites out there where you can go and find affiliate advertisers. Um, and that can also be a good way for, for new marketers to get into the space is start with some affiliate programs, right? Um, but that gives you as a podcaster, this opportunity to really kind of establish yourself. What does it look like to have advertisements? What does it look like for you to do these host read ads? Are you good at them? Um, and then as your show grows, I would say that between like the five and 10,000 download per episode range is really when you would want to then try to work with a company like a representation firm or, you know, you can always put your podcast on a marketplace. You know, there's companies like uh, Podcorn or AdvertiseCast or Zvook where you can go list your podcast today if you want. It doesn't matter what size your show is. And you might have somebody out there who would be interested in advertising with you. But um, when you get, to, I would say in that five to 10,000 downloads per range, uh, per episode range is when it makes sense for you to really work with a partner to help get you ads. Excellent. Well, I mean, I've learned a ton about podcast advertising right now. Um, I want to do more of it immediately. <laughs> um, so Heather, where can people learn more about you and your company? Yeah. So um, we actually have a marketer's guide to podcast advertising on our mm -hmm. site. So if you go to truenativemedia.com, you can download that guide and that will give you kind of a step-by-step -step process for podcast ads. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Heather, everyone listening to this, please go out, run out and get that um, from Heather. I'm sure it's packed full of good information that you need to know. Um, Heather, thanks for joining us on the Bulletproof Marketer. Thanks for having me today. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Excellent. All right, folks. Um, I will be right back with you after the break. All right. I have a pretty picky pet. Our golden doodle, Olive, is leaning pretty heavy on the poodle side and is pretty picky about her food. You know, that is until she tried Square Pet. Okay, before she tried Square Pet, we've given her like 14 different types of food. And, but we've let, we've let her try it out for a while. We're not changing them every day. Don't, don't be a hater. But uh, we gave her Square Pet and she gobbled it up and is totally eating only that now, which is great because it's a healthy, all natural pet nutrition that's been developed by veterinary professionals using only the highest quality and responsibly sourced ingredients. There are solutions for both dogs and cats. You know, I, I'm, I'm not biased. Dogs or cats, everyone's welcome. As well as specialized diets that are backed by science. I'm so overprotective of Olive and I want to treat her like a queen. So Square Pets, it is, folks. Learn more and order a bag to try out today at mysquarepet.com. Again, mysquarepet.com. Woof. And we are back. Uh, well, it was a really good uh, interview with Heather. Uh, I'm interested, I'd be interested to hear how many of you have explored um, podcast advertising. It's it's such a it's such an interesting um, topic because just like what Heather was saying about the influencer kind of angle, like the 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 um, simile 
to influencer um, campaigns. It, it's interesting how it's it could be a little bit of a wild, wild west type mentality there as well. But I'm just curious if any of you have uh, had any luck with podcast advertising, please share your thoughts, get in touch with us. Again, if you haven't had a chance to subscribe to um, our daily uh, trend spot, um, go to gosalesandmarketing.com and just pop your email into the pop-up that comes up and then I got you covered. Um, so to now we're into the BPM versus Stockholm syndrome. So marketers, you know something, you aren't crazy. You just think you are, right? I'm talking about marketer Stockholm syndrome where we go so far into our heads that we can't see reality, much less what is five feet in front of us. So the segments where we help, um, I'm going to, from one marketer to another, I'm going to just share with you some things that could help you break that Stockholm syndrome. And we all suffer from it. So, I mean, I'm with you here. I have it as well. So, one of the things that um, I've seen a lot is incentives, right? So, or not necessarily incentives. How about the loyal, loyalty program incentives? I think that's a more of a full thought. And loyalty program incentives, oy vey. Okay, so obviously we've all seen the buy three coffees, get 20% off your fourth on Tuesday. Um, well, this is something that we are told as marketers is going to give us a windfall. And what we'll do is we'll look at direct competitors of our clients or our own business, depending on how we're set up. And we see what they're doing. And it's like, okay, well, if we sign up to the list, we get 20% off. And then once they do, we sign up, we get an additional free offer here. Okay, so that's the model. Uh, okay, gotcha. That's not the model. That is something that does work. But is that the future? Is that how it works forever? No, it's not. You, what you, what, so if you're running those programs and they hit plateaus or they hit a nader or they just don't really deliver as much bang for your buck as you're thinking, it's not you that's executing it incorrectly. It's possibly just not as dynamic of a loyalty program to inspire the passion of your audience. Now, how about that, right? Dynamic loyalty programs that inspire passion. Doesn't that sound a little bit, I don't know, let's go out and hug one another. We want everyone to be passionate about our brand. I'm sorry to tell you folks, but this is kind of how things are going, right? We want to be able to tap into the emotions of our, our target audience and deliver things that are going to make them feel positive make them feel supported, make them feel dynamically heard. So this is not a bad thing because for example, maybe that percentage off on the coffee doesn't mean anything to me. But maybe what if it was, um, if I was a very socially conscious individual and it was 20% of my proceeds would go to this or your next coffee, your full coffee is going to go to X, um, fund or something like that, which could be a charity. So it's understanding what, and this is the same thing. If you are trying to expand your team, finding out individually what motivates people is one of the most powerful things to really find out. Is it easy? No, there's lots of testing you have to do. But what we fall into as marketers, into these frameworks uh, of this is how you get people. This is how you do a loyalty program. Okay. There's step one, step two, step three, step four. And basically the variable is what you want to give away. I'm, to an extent, I can understand that, but I think that people are making decisions much differently. So your programs may not deliver to the same extent that you think. So one of the, I found this fantastic article on mediapost.com. Again, any of, the, any of the articles that I am mentioning during the Bulletproof Marketer shows are all taken directly from the newsletter. So I'm taking some of my favorite pieces from our daily newsletter and highlighting them on the show and give you, you a little bit more of uh, my, my take on it. But this Media Post article said, offer active, not passive brand experiences. 
So what they're saying is to highlight how marketers can guide customers' activity, or actively rather, let's pretend we're operating a boutique fitness company. Instead of an app to book classes, the brand could provide loyalty members with an enhanced omni-channel customer experience that directs them to supplemental services and products such as smoothies, nutrition coaching, and merchandise. It's complimentary. So rather than doing nail on the head, what else could you offer that is of value? Um, also, incentivizing things and gamifying things are very powerful as well. Both of those drive engagement and also usage. So usage is a big factor, right? Because if you, for example, if we're doing an app, the more you use the app, the more you're going to be able to, to be open to the messages that I'm going to be provided, providing you. So think about, and this is something that um, a lot of people don't do because we're marketers and we feel that sometimes our experience and whatever we've been taught is pretty much enough. What I would do is look at your own activity. Think of the top three apps that you open on a daily basis and utilize. Now, say it's um, Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix. Why? Why are you using it? Is it a distraction? Do you need noise in the background? Is that what you're using? And think about what you're using on your phone or your tablet rather than what you're using on your like, like uh, your, your connected TV, you know what I mean? Or your Apple TV or your Fire TV or whatever. Um, what are you using on your phone? Is it a news app? Is it a um, astrological app? Is it, uh, what is it? A meditation app? What are you using and why? And why do you keep going back? That's, that kind of will help you understand how you can kind of put some of that juice into your ideas. Also, talk to your friends. Who's constantly opening an app? Why are they doing it? It's just, it's just interesting. You can do like a little bit of um, uh, research just through your own, your own audience or even the people that you're working with. And then drive relevance through personalization, I think is, is probably the one that it's, it's an overriding factor, I think for the Bulletproof Marketer and in general um, is the, the, real, the real push on being more personalized. So the more that you can understand and learn about your audience um, and the more that you can kind of say it back to them so that they feel seen and heard, the more that you're going to get engagement out of them. So I, you know, if you're doing an, if you're doing a loyalty program and basically every single person that signs up to it is going into loyalty program database on your email and each one of those people in that list has feels like they are an individual that needs to be heard. And you're doing these bland messages that can apply to men, women, children, dogs, aliens. I, I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's not going to have the same je ne sais quoi if you were to have tags separating those audiences into very specific buckets that you can then have specific messages for. I think the times are gone that we can really go with these super beige messaging from marketing that is just based off of price or just based off of one note. It needs to be, that one note needs to be effective through personalization. Why do I need that? So just, I don't wanna go on any further on that, but I just wanted to let you know, um, if you feel that you are following the program perfectly and you're not getting the results and it's you, it's not you. It's just a different way of looking at this whole system is what you need to kind of think about. It's not because you're executing it incorrectly, it's because the times are changing and we need to kind of just pivot our thinking just a little bit. We don't need to be so, um, I don't know, we don't need to have blinders on so to speak, when it comes to uh, loyalty programs or any sort of incentives. All right, folks, after the break, we're going to be talking about the silver bullet for this week. See you in a minute. Okay, so skincare is definitely something that's really important to me, but at the same time, I don't have a lot of time. So I really want 
the most bang for my buck and something that is very, very fast and efficient. And that's when I found Truly Clear. Now, when I found Truly Clear, it's a really great product that actually helps acne. So if you have, um, if you have a child that has acne or you have adult acne, whatever, just want clean face. I just love the product because why? Because it's, it's smarter, faster, and better. It calms your skin. It stops acne and it heals your skin. So it does the full range of nourishment on your skin. I mean, simply put truly clear stops acne, clears blackheads and whiteheads quickly. You can use it anywhere you have acne, just one or two times daily or less for less than five minutes. That's the best part, less than five minutes for long lasting results. So if you have acne that you want to clear up or you just want to have beautiful glowing skin like the Bulletproof Marketer, then you got to check out Truly Clear. Visit them online. It's trulyclear.com, T-R-U-L-Y-C-L-E-A-R.com. Again, trulyclear.com. Fast, smart, just better. And we are back. All right. Each week, I want to dive into a topic. That's the silver bullet or proven secret technique to reach and attain your marketing goals. So what's this week's silver bullet? Well, you could probably guess from, from the content that we've been talking about today. It's the importance of personalization in your marketing message. So this is a really, really big topic, but I'm just going to boil it down to something that you can just think about and kind of plant the seed in your mind. If you have five people in front of you that you are able to understand what they like, what they dislike, and what their names are, and you're able to write five different emails to each one of those people with the same outcome expected, but personalize it to a way that they feel that that was written for them, they will convert higher than if you had 10,000 people in your email list that you were sending one blanket message to. Because what happens is a lot of people believe that by sending these messages again and again and again and again and again, eventually someone's going to be beaten into submission. But if you're constantly talking to someone who's not me while you think you're talking to me, this feels that you don't know who I am and I'm either going to mute you or remove myself from your distribution. This is something that is going to continually be an issue for marketers, but it's a challenge that we should rise to. We should find out ways that we can, we can separate our target audiences into smaller more focused audiences that we're able to talk to with a specific message. Imagine reaching someone with the right message at the right time when they exactly need it and how long that person will be a customer of yours or a client of yours or a follower of yours. Because this is how we're going to continually build the digital landscape. It's not going to be this buckshot approach it's going to be a lot of laser pinpricks that we're going to have to do in order to really solidify a solid and ever-evolving growth. So personalization is something that is super important. And personalization is much more than getting the person's first name and email address and saying, hi, Chris, I've heard that you've reached, you've, I, 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 that's not enough. We need subject lines. We need copy. Inside the copy, you need to know what I like. There's more to it than just doing an email blast and putting in a personalized first name field after hi or greetings. And don't use greetings either. That's terrible. Anyway, I digress. That's your silver bullet. It's uh, personalization. All right, folks, after the break, we're going to wrap this sucker up. If you know me... I like seafood. Yes. Give me a steak or give me a lobster. I'm going to throw the steak out the window and eat the lobster with my bare hands like a caveman. If cavemans had lobster, I don't know what they did. Anyway, um, then being a seafood freak, I was familiar with the brand Cousins Main Lobster when I saw them on Shark Tank because I like watching that just to judge everybody that's on the show. You know how it goes. 
And uh, so little did I know that they had opened a location just around the corner. Well, I tried out their food, their lobster rolls. All the lobster comes from Maine. It's unbelievable. They have a ton of different things on their menu. The best part about Cousins, there's three different ways that you can get you can get in touch with this good food. You can find a truck. They do their food trucks. They have restaurants. And also, they will actually ship you Maine lobster. Like, okay, my Amazon order came in, and then there's a lobster on top of it. I mean, who can say no to that? I mean, I wouldn't. I, I kind of love it. Anyway, you need to find out more about them. Go to CousinsMainLobster.com. Um, Cousins Maine lobster.com that's maine meaning that the lobster is coming from maine oh, so that's maine with an e folks um check them out you have to i mean I, honestly look through their pictures of their food and you're going to order something immediately so check out cousins maine lobster my choice for seafood folks okay and welcome back all right Great show today. I think there have been some really good nuggets that you could take away in terms of um, things that we covered through trend spotting. Heather gave some really interesting points of view in terms of podcast advertising. So again, please check out um, Heather, um, truenativemedia.com, learn more about her and how she can help you out. Also, we had um, just loyalty programs and kind of what incentives are really going to be the ones that are going to be important for you to focus on going forward. And you're not crazy. The world's changing. Um, and uh, obviously the silver bullet was personalization, which is something that's very key for us as marketers to understand going forward, because we are going to start marketing to human beings rather than faceless audiences of millions. All right. Anyway, folks, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you've listened to this show and you want to give us a rating, God bless you. Thank you. Go for it. Um, also share it with your friends. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, please do go to gosalesandmarketing.com and sign up to the Bulletproof Marketer right there. Um, if you need any help with digital strategy, you can always reach out. If you have any questions, all of my links are on the website. Go ahead and use them. I'm happy to answer questions. If you'd like to be a guest or would like to advertise on our show, please reach out as well through those same channels. All right, folks, I got to run. Be kind, be authentic, be bulletproof. Till next time, folks.